Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. It's good to be back with you guys again today. Today, I have an episode with a guy I've been following for a really long time. Um, he was in the podcast game like before podcasts were cool. I mean, I literally remember uh, looking at this guy's Instagram page, you know, years ago and you know, not even knowing what a podcast was. And so he's been in the game a long time. His name is Cable Smith. He has a podcast and a radio show called the Lone Star Outdoor Show. You know, if you've been in the social media hunting space or into podcasts for a long time, you've probably run across his page. Very prolific guy, has a bunch of podcasts out um, and has a really big uh, social media following. So um, anyway, he's he's a really cool guy. It's um, It was really interesting talking to him because, like I said, I've been following him for so long. It's like I feel like I know the guy, but uh, never actually spoken with him. You know, we'd interacted over social media, like, you know, going back years, but never actually spoke with the guy. So I um, figured it was time to get him on the show. So um, if you're a fan of the Lone Star Outdoor Show, I think you'll really like this episode. Um, and either way, he's just a, a really cool, interesting guy. Um, we talk more about um, actually hunting in Africa, which is something I talked to my guest last week about, which is interesting. But, you know, we also go into other stuff. He's he's really big into, well, you know, he he's outspoken as far as politics go and that kind of stuff. And he's had a lot of really big issues as far as censorship on social media and um, since he has a big following and he posts a lot of hunting and outdoor stuff and political stuff, um, you know, Instagram is really like trying to shut this guy down and, um, uh, it's just sad. And again, it just, it's terrible to see how these big tech companies can just make their own rules and just shut people down. So, um, if you haven't heard of him, I do suggest you go out and check him out against Lone Star Outdoor Show. Uh, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook, and, you know, podcasts. And um, anyway, he's a great guy. He's from Texas. He's an avid hunter. He hunts all across the world and uh, been in it a long time. So it's really good to catch up with Cable. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, I am swamped, so I'm not going to do a whole bunch of intro here other than that. I do want to say one thing, which is exciting, just a little update. Uh, I mentioned a while back I might have one more hunt this season. I just confirmed some details uh, with some industry guys. I'm going to be heading out to Arizona to hunt mule deer and coos deer uh, for archery and do some filming out there with some guys that you've probably heard of. I'm not going to say who yet, but... um, Anyway, I'm really excited about linking up with those guys, so be on the lookout for more content related to that. It's something I'm really excited about, um, and it's just, uh, looking forward to updating you guys on all the stuff I got coming this year. It's going to be an amazing year for the Hunter's Quest, so I really appreciate all you guys that have been supporting me since the beginning. Um, you know, Please continue to get the word out there. Um, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel if you can. Just search my name, Hunter McWaters. 
Please continue leaving me ratings and reviews and just uh, supporting me on social media by liking and commenting and sharing. And as always, please share this episode with friends and family. It really helps me get the word out. And again, I just want to say thank you guys for all your support. And stay tuned because this next year and even in this off season, got some really exciting projects that I'm working on. So thanks again, guys. Stay tuned and we'll see you on the next one. Dude, I like the little Three Musketeers thing you got going. Oh, thanks. I'm always up for a good facial hair bit. So, yeah, I was man. like, hey, you need to shave that beard. It, uh, that beard, it uh, it tickles when I kiss you. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll shave the beard. <laughs> now you're left with like a little General Custer situation. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah man. So, um, so, yeah, did I see on Instagram is the day your anniversary? Yeah, today is is uh, thirteen years. Wow. The best thirteen years of my wife's life for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, man! Thank you. No, I'm the lucky one. She lets me uh, get to call hunting a job. So yeah, yeah, man. So that's so. Did you so just go like man? Like I think I said this the other day on like a post you made or something. But you've been doing this since like before podcasting was cool. Like yeah. I remember distinctly. Um, following your page, like probably like close to 10 years ago and like, you know, sending in a picture and you reposted it and like, um, so yeah, you just been at this for a long time, man. So congrats. Well, thank you. Yeah. It, um, it wasn't like something I really set out to do. Yeah. I wanted to do like a sports play by play and, and hopefully have like my own sports talk show someday. Okay. But, um, everybody wanted to do that. Yeah. And it was so competitive. I was like a grunt at this uh, station in Dallas. When we got married, um, I was like, this is a dead end. I'm literally like working on the weekends and overnight and yeah. trying to pay my dues. But those, so I'm glad I left because that was like 14 or 15 years ago. And those guys are still there. All of mm. them. No one's left. It's like a uh, major market. There's just nowhere to, to go. Uh, unless they like, you know, and you want to be like cheering for them to die. So you can take the job. That's pretty <laughs> morbid, but that's yeah. like, that's the reality. Like some of these people just need to kick the bucket. Yeah. Um, so we moved to Texarkana. I took a job at like a small, uh, station out there and got to do my own sports talk show and, um, was doing a lot of play by play. And my boss was like, you got to host this, um, weekly hunting and fishing show for these, all these rednecks in East Texas. They, they got to have their fix. And I was like, okay, cool. I like to, you know, at the time I was just like a duck hunter, uh, maybe like a couple of years. I hadn't been duck hunting very long. Oh, really? Dove hunting. And a uh, big bass fisherman, though. I mean, my dad, he still goes bass fishing all the time. But we never had guns in the house. That was, like, something I just picked up in college with buddies. They were okay. like, bring your lab. We're going duck hunting. I was like, like do I have to get, like, a license? And uh, <laughs> where do I buy a shotgun? You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I waited. I think I had to, like, bartend, wait tables for, like, a couple weeks. And then I had enough money to buy an 870. Nice. They were like, I think I probably told them, no, I'm going to drink beer and chase girls. Y'all y'all can take my dog they're like no you gotta come okay so we go the dog is so scared every time we shoot he's just like trying to run away from the blind he weighed 100 pounds so he's like dragging half the blind with him everyone's missing they weren't any good either they were terrible duck hunters too yeah someone finally hit a bird i let old maverick off of his leash and he went and brought he was like okay cool and he went and got the duck and brought it back and really just completely I mean, he untrained didn't, he didn't like bring it to my hand you know but right he set it at my feet and i was like 
Oh, okay. That's and then cool. he was never gun shy again. I was like, okay, cool. So he likes it. I like it. And then I was just like, when do we get to go again? <laughs> and, uh, and that's just kind of been, it's, everything's evolved from that moment in time. So you He's were in college dead. at that yeah, point? Yeah, I was in college. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. So you started, you started hunting kind of late in the game and then the, mm -hmm. the outdoor show came from your boss told you to do it and then just evolved. Yeah. Yeah. So he told me to do it. And then, um, we had that economic downturn in like 2008, uh -huh. um, when we had that bad recession and we lost a lot of our advertisers at that station. Like a lot of the auto dealerships just closed and, mm. you know, he was like, dude, I can't afford to keep you anymore. I was like, Oh crap. You know, we signed a year lease in Texarkana. What are we going to do? And so we moved back to, um, Dallas and I was like, you know, what I really loved about that job the most was that weekly at that time, every week where I got to talk to other outdoorsmen mm -hmm. and, and that became my passion. I was just like, I told my wife, I was like, and we're living with her parents at the time, uh -huh. trying to figure out where we wanted to move to, where we wanted to buy a house. And luckily she, she's, she always had a job. So when I got laid off, we weren't like homeless or anything, but right. what we moved she in do? with my in-laws and uh, she's a nurse practitioner. Nice. So at the time she was a nurse. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she's always had a, a job and, um, she was been very supportive of, uh, of this endeavor yeah. endeavor of love because initially like i started it on my in-laws dining room table probably like the first 15 episodes <laughs> um and then we we bought a house and i, I got my own little recording studio but nice. um, yeah it was uh she had to it was a leap of faith for her and and for me like how do we how do you make money doing this yeah um so i had to like buy the airtime on these radio stations and then you know recruit sponsors and at the time, it, you know, I wouldn't turn down a $200 check from a fishing guide on Lake Texoma, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'll make you commercial. I'll do the commercial for free. Just run it on my show for like a couple of weeks, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are, it's funny to look back on that, but. For sure. Yeah. But there were no podcasts back then. Right. So it was just a radio show. And then by default, you know, uh, iTunes let people put their content out there. And so I was just like, oh, I guess I'll start putting it on iTunes and my website. And, you know, I hadn't. Nobody even knew what a podcast was. Right. The uh, 13 years ago. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I remember like being like, I literally remember, I'm pretty sure your show was like the first time I heard about like a podcast. And yeah. I was like, what the crap is that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was, uh, I guess it's been a dozen years. We've just had our 600th uh, episode. Yeah. So, that's awesome. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a minute and never, never a dull one. Yeah. And you, so you, you were already kind of in the world or you wanted to do a talk show. That was kind of mm -hmm. your thing. It was just, you wanted oh, to yeah. do sports. Yeah. I got a degree in radio, TV, film, uh, oh, nice. actually like, so the recording software that I, you know, learned in, in college at North Texas, um, still the, the updated version is what I'm still using today. So yeah, I kind of got, uh, a good, a good knowledge base, but it, it's not required anymore, you know? Right. Um, that's true. Obviously, anybody can have a podcast, and that's a great thing. So, yeah. Although it is a pretty saturated, saturated oh, yeah. market, which is good that you got in early. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, my background is um, in TV. I was a camera operator and then like a producer for the 700 Club. You ever heard of that uh -huh. show? Uh uh. Pat Robertson, the old preacher guy on TV. Okay. No. Not no, ringing not a bell. Ringing a bell. <laughs> no. Um, anyway. I don't get my uh, evangelical fix on TV. I, it's yeah. just, like during COVID, I was like, we tried watching church on TV and it lasted like a month. And I was yeah. like, you know what? 
Uh, I'm going to go back to church when church opens back. Yeah. Up. Sorry, sure, God, man. please forgive me. I know I need to be in your presence, <laughs> but I just, and the, it was a punishment for the kids. They're like, this sucks. What are yeah. we doing? You know? I mean, church is such a social thing, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to replace it with, with that. But so that, you know, being your anniversary, congrats, by the way. Um, Thank you. That kind of led me to one of, and I wanted to hear the whole story how you got started, but what one of my questions was like, at what point it feels like it's a tipping point when your wife is finally like, okay, this is legit. When did you reach that point? <laughs> I think when she saw checks like starting to come in and she's like, so we're not in the negative anymore. That's, <laughs> oh, that's progress. You know, yeah. <laughs> like maybe after like, it probably took, I would say 18 months to like start actually turning a profit. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you know, I started adding radio stations so I could sell the airtime for more money. You know, sponsors get more exposure. Yeah. Um, at the time, I really like wasn't using social media mm -hmm. as um, an entity to to increase their exposure. I Instagram, you know, I think Facebook had just started, and Instagram was would come around like seven or eight years later. Yeah. So, um, now, now it's kind of like fifty fifty. You can do very well promoting sponsors on social media. Um, but yeah, she's still like, I had her, I had had the whole family on for episode 600 and uh -huh. I, I contemplated, I think for like 500, I had on Steve Ranella and I probably have had on like, try to get a big guest for like significant milestones, little mm -hmm. ones. Um, I was like, you know what? M things have changed for me. And um, yeah, talking to those people is fun and I still love to do it. But what gives me the most joy is taking my kids hunting or fishing. Yeah. So I was like, let me just interview each one of them and see what they think of this whole deal. And, uh, and the kids were great. Uh, Henry was a little more talkative than the girls because he's eight and they're six. But yeah, but I think the best was visiting with Aaron, my wife, because she was like, yeah, I don't even think you can call it a job. Really? You just you just go hunting and you call me, you know, in the evenings, you've you've had a couple beers and you're hanging out with the guys <laughs> and y'all are having so much fun. And I'm sitting here watching these kids. And it's like, it's not really a job. And I was like, yeah, but but it is because I do spend a lot of time in production, as you know, yeah, like, sure. Um, and, and having to put it out as a, a radio show and a podcast, it's like doing two different shows because the yeah. radio show can only be 60 minutes. Sometimes the podcasts are an hour and a half. So then it's like going through and editing yeah. and chopping content. And, um, but she's, she, her, the thing that she finds the weirdest is like that you'll meet someone online. Yeah. Like, and you'll go hunting with them. Yeah. And she's like, it's like, uh, it's like dating for dudes, but <laughs> you guys meet on social media and then you, you don't even know the person he could like murder you with an axe and yeah she's like and i wouldn't even know where you are half the time because you just go to these small little towns in the middle of nowhere and yeah shoot stuff and like <laughs> uh, she thinks it's um i think she thinks it's hilarious on some level does there still do you guys still deal with because i'm looking at potentially lord willing maybe being able to move into this semi full-time sometime the next year or so mm -hmm. um but you know obviously as you know it requires a lot of traveling and there is that kind of tension of I'm at home with these kids. You're out having fun slash work. Do you right. still have that friction there? Does that ever get better or does it just stay there? Um, there's usually like one emotional breakdown every year. And it's about <laughs> the time. So I, I typically go to Africa in the summer uh, and that's like 11 days. It's a seven day hunt, but it's two days of travel right. each way. Um, and then I always go spend a week elk hunting with my bow and that is in September. So that's like two, you know, nine to 11 day trips kind of back to back. And that's yeah. like when she, she didn't have it this year. 
but in the past so maybe she's come to grips with it she's doing better you know yeah um <laughs> but previously there's always one like you know you just i can't do this you're just not home enough but yeah. it's only during hunting season which is all year so it's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but then like you but, said you have there's a trade-off there because you know you're not commuting into an office every single right. day leaving at dark getting back at dark you're able to take the kids to school you oh, can yeah. pack their lunch you know there's a trade-off that's the silver lining and that's how i always justify it i'm like look you know i'm very involved with my kids yeah i don't have to go to an office i work out of the house and you know i i'm very involved with the lines i pick them up take them to soccer practice mm -hmm. um do all the extracurricular stuff with them for sure um so so you know fortunate but on on days when i'm you know uh not out of town i'm stay-at-home dad essentially yeah. just working out of the office yeah that's cool man so, um, yeah, it's trying to kind of the balance I've been trying to trying to reach, but there's definitely still that friction of like you're leaving again, like right. you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I'm so. packing up this weekend and going. I'm taking the kids with me, which would be interesting because I'm I've got a buck I'm trying to kill, and he's pretty uh -huh. smart. And I don't know that I can have three kids in the blind and kill this deer, but we're gonna we're gonna Here's give right. it back. And is it that one with all those gnarly weird things in his rack? Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's one. There's dude. So that buck's pretty cool. I have another buck that's like I haven't even put it on social media because I didn't want any uh, like neighbors to like figure out where I was where I hunt. <laughs> yeah, and since I don't think any of the guys on my lease listen to this podcast yet, uh, <laughs> I've known about this deer for a long time, like September. Yeah, they didn't know about him until a week ago. So oh, okay. I, like for opening weekend, last weekend before last, we're out there and I'm going through trail camera pictures on my laptop. Uh huh. And I hadn't had any pictures of him sent to my live game camera since October 17th. I'm kind of losing hope. And finally, I get this video of him. Uh. And one of the guys on the lease is sitting on the couch next to me. He goes, oh, my God. And I had to <laughs> fake excitement. I was like, oh, my God. It's, I've never seen this deer. It's so funny. We call him Louis Grande. But I was, like, faking all this excitement. Yeah. And I was, like, under my breath. I was like, damn it. Now they know that this deer is alive. That's but he funny, hasn't man. been back since October 30th. Um, oh, okay. How many guys are on your lease? There's four of us. Oh, okay, that's not bad. Like how many? How many acres? Eight hundred acres. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty. But good. you know what? The thing is, is that they're generally my feeders, my blinds, yeah, my cameras. So I was like, eh, you guys can see him when he's dead. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice man. Yeah, I'm in a club, and because out here where I'm at, like, there's not really public land, and everything's either leased up or the family hunts it or it's a club. Right. And so we have access to like 8,000 acres. Um, but there's probably 30, 35 guys in the club, but only mm -hmm. probably like, I don't know, five or six actually like still hunt. The rest will show up on Saturday morning and like, you know, they run dogs, but mm. there's like five or six guys that actually still hunt the place. So it's, it's pretty nice. Yeah. You ever done that Have before? You run deer with dogs? I never have. We can't. We're not allowed to do that in Texas. Yeah, where like the closest thing I could compare it to would be hog dogging. We do chase pigs all the time with dogs. Yeah, and and that's like real, really a. Uh, if you want a hands-on, visceral experience, try stabbing a pig being held down by a person in a pit bull. That's uh, hardcore. Yeah, it's. It, I took my son when he was seven mm -hmm. on one of these, and I. We didn't have the conversation. It was my buddy and his dogs, and we have this probably two hundred pound sow caught, and now he's got his. He's you know he's leaning on it. Like once you've got him shackled or whatever, I mean, 
you know, it's pretty safe. And they were like, Hey, Henry, come over here and stab this thing. And he looks at me and he's like, uh, and I was like, Henry's not up for it yet. You know, give him a few more years. I'll do a it. Seven year old. I was like, no, he's just, this is uh, too much for him. So he's fine to, he shot two, he shot a black buck doe and a white tail last year. Yeah. I saw um, on your Instagram. That's yeah, cool. So we're hopefully if I shoot that buck, um, I'll let him shoot a doe this weekend. Or if that buck never comes up or comes around, I'll let him shoot a doe. But nice. yeah, that was a uh, baptism by fire for seven-year-old i was yeah. really questioning whether i should have taken him that's taken intense him on that. do you guys have exotics on your lease or is it just whitetails no we're not in a part of texas where we have uh, any exotic ranches you gotta okay, cool. go further south like the hill country has yeah it's nothing to be and, and just driving through the hill country I've, I've hunted down in that area and driven through it so many times you can see axis deer free range black buck yeah um one of my buddies has a he has a giant red stag on his place right now. Mm. It's the only exotic he sees. I was like, hey, are you going out for the opener? And he's like, yeah, but I'm not deer hunting. I'm trying to kill this red stag. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 So how do you like, like what, how do you turn these hunts into like profit? I mean, not that it's directly, but like, are you going out to hunt with outfitters that are sponsors and then create content for them and advertise their places or how does that, what do you, how do you do that? Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of it or just using, so like Vortex is a big sponsor and mm-hmm. just, you know, make sure you take, um, you don't, you don't ever want to be like, like a whore. Like you don't want to make it look like all I do is take pictures of my sponsor stuff, yeah. but it's important. You know, they're basically, you know, and I'm blessed to say, hey, these people are paying me to do this, to, to call hunting a job. But, um, yeah, you just got to take classy looking. They don't like blood, you know, unless it's right. a broadhead company, then they like a lot of blood. But yeah. Other, other than that, that's really the only company that's like, the more blood, the better, <laughs> you know, shows how devastating our broadheads are. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's all, it's product placement and you know, just lifestyle, like, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, it's just, and most of these relationships, are they like, like most of your sponsorship relationships, are they stuff that just kind of happened organically after you'd built up this large platform and following, or did a lot of them, you were kind of aggressive about approaching them and stuff like that? Uh, there's both for sure. Um, like Vortex I've been with for probably eight, eight years or so. Mm-hmm. And then like companies like Onyx I've been with for three months and I certainly reached out to Onyx. I don't remember. I probably reached out to Vortex uh, at some point, but now it's just like one of those, hey, your your contract's about to come up, um, you know, and it's yeah, there really hasn't been any question about renewing it. So cool. Um, but there are other companies I work with where I'm just like, eh, this isn't the best fit anymore. Yeah, uh, one you, one man. apparel company in particular. <laughs> I'm trying. Who do you want? Not want to say it? Oh, I don't. It's it, it was one that I was with that uh, just I don't think yeah. they my values in theirs didn't didn't align i got you things. Yeah. well speaking of that uh i guess you're working with numa now is that right yeah and, uh, of numa. yeah yeah and i saw you were in deer camp with dan staten who i got a chance to work with in new mexico this year how was that oh dan was so cool and i'd never met dan I mean, yeah i knew of elk shape right but i couldn't have told you the face behind it like yeah. i had I, everyone had nice things to say about dan and the numa guys were like oh you're gonna love being in camp with dan he's a cool guy you know yeah um but uh, but yeah, I couldn't have pointed it out from Adam. Now now I consider our, uh, ourselves friends, and yeah, we're gonna he's gonna come on my podcast, and I'm gonna jump on his. I think cool. We're gonna tape that at the end of November. Nice. And we were we were gonna do it in camp, but my wife got sick, and I had to like unexpectedly uh, jump on a plane and fly home. Oh yeah, but she's she's fine. She just had ended up being really bad food poisoning, but I, I didn't have my truck, and it was just kind of like God, I feel 
really selfish. That was the only time I've ever been like, God, this, this is really selfish. I'm sitting here in camp and my wife spent the night in the hospital. It was just like, yeah, yeah, that's rough. But so uh, you, yeah, Dan's cool, dude. Yeah. You, and you're like in the Numa stuff. Oh yeah, dude. Only good things to say about it. And, and the, the year's just getting better and better. Nice. But, uh, I mean, it's right on par with, um, Kuyu and Sitka and first light. I mean, that's the kind of quality, uh, that, that they're putting out. Yeah, uh been yeah. very pleased with it. Now I know who you're talking about. Because <laughs> um, you were with them a long time. Yeah. Like was, when they was, were starting out. Yeah. Uh, it was probably like five years, I think. Um, but so I remember kind of when you started working with them, they were pretty new, right? Um, I, I think they were just really like becoming more mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting though. Do you Are you able to delve any of that into any of that? Because I'd like to ask you some about that stuff. Yeah, you can you can ask. We'll just see where it goes. <laughs> so, like, what you know? I've heard. I'm not, I don't want to badmouth them. No, no, no. I, make, and, make, and I'm not even make, talking about a specific yeah. brand right now. I've just I've heard of some of the drama or whatever, different opinions about. And you mentioned Steve Rinella earlier and stuff like that. What What's the deal there? Uh man, I don't know. And I've asked Steve on my my show like which way do you vote steve and he always he always very tactfully skirts that and says it's an issue by issue thing and he never he never he's very aloof on that you know he doesn't he's not committal but there are people that work for steve or or worked for him like ben o'brien who said vote for biden Hmm. that's a major conflict for me like i believe if someone says we want to take your guns they want to take your guns they don't just say it right you know that's this is how this is the platform i'm running for president on i want to i want to you know, um, revisit the second amendment. Well, no, that's not okay with me. And it shouldn't be okay with you, Ben O'Brien or whoever, or, you know, some of the other people on, on that work there would put the big, the black space. And some of them even said, vote the assholes out. I'm like, okay, so you're talking about conservatives. Like we're the assholes. Um, I was just like, this just doesn't jive with me, but like the second amendment thing, like we're a conservation company, right? Okay. Well, what funds conservation by and large, Pittman Robertson dollars. What funds Pittman Robertson? Bullets, guns. That in, that is not just like the ones that hunters buy. That's everybody. You know how many two, two, three rounds this country buys? Like con, like consumers. In, I don't. And how many black rifles? That's all Pittman Robertson dollars that goes to fund conservation. Mm. When the guy says, "I want to take your guns away," how does that filter down to a positive conservation initiative? It doesn't. It's it flies in the face of that. So it's like completely hypocritical it doesn't make any sense to me yeah and uh no i'm just i don't get it and and i do not like um bha like i've never been quiet about that i don't i don't i think oh really no i'm not uh not a fan of what what they do because i don't think they do anything and they pick and choose when it suits them like hey um like new mexico is trying to ban trapping on public land you have a new mexico chapter why aren't they talking about it well, that doesn't fit our, our, we don't want to take away from our broader message. I'm like, this is a pretty substantial piece of legislation and you're for hunting, fishing, trapping on public lands. You should be all over this. No, no, no. Let's, let us make a, um, uh, anti high fence campaign and run that in Texas instead. Hmm. I'm just like, okay. So your Texas chapter can do something that has nothing to do with private land or with public land, but your New Mexico chapter can't do something that, that, you know, create, a little buzz about something that directly affects public land. Right. You don't, you don't even have anything to do with private land. And that's what they did. They, they came out with this hunt real deer campaign. 
So they're hmm. telling me out of one side of their mouth, they don't let their state chapters do really anything outside of the box. And then like a month later, here's Texas chapter. Oh, I roasted them, dude. I burned that. I mean, that chapter's, <laughs> I, mean, I, I personally wanted to see that chapter fail once they did that. Yeah. And they weren't Texans. It was transplants that were running that chapter here. It was right. like, you guys don't know Texas. You don't know Texans. You don't know our hunting culture here. Yeah. I was like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. So not to mention, I mean, they lost me. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's different people fall on different sides of that debate, but that's essentially basically an anti hunting stance. Yeah, dude, it was because, you know, people that hunt high fences still buy hunting licenses, right? They're still out there killing their own food. You can call it what you want, but they're not going to the grocery store. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it's like, you know, it, it may not be the best thing, but a lot of people are so busy with their jobs that they get one or two weekends a year to hunt. Yeah. If they want to go hunt a high fence, you know, it's not my favorite thing. I've shot stuff in high fences. Things that I've shot free range mean a lot more to me. Yeah. But if that's what they want to do, then they're still they're still on our team, in my opinion. Like, right. That's just kind of creating. It how does it affect you? That's yeah, it's question. creating infighting within the hunting community when we have enough enemies already. Like, yeah, we don't exactly. need to fight amongst ourselves. Yeah. But so maybe just have the attitude of, hey, it's not for me, but it's cool that you do it. I don't care. Yeah. It's, um, well, along those lines, and like one of the things that I respect about you, and like I'll be honest with you, dude, I've seen a couple of your posts myself, and I think I've even had a little bit of dialogue at times in the past of like, eh, maybe this one doesn't quite sit right with me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, but you're there, there's been kind of this movement in the hunting community, and some of it might have been you know, have something to do with meat eater or they might've been a part of it. I don't know. I don't want to get into like specifics, but you know, y- you can't kill stuff. You have to harvest it. And like, mm-hmm. you know, get, you know, getting away from showing the blood and stuff. And yeah, like you said, you want to be tasteful and we want to respect wildlife. We're not like about the gore and stuff, but you're very vocal about like not being ashamed of it either and like mm-hmm. not cowering from it. And yeah. so I just want to know like, what's your, what's your thought process behind that? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm always going to take the respectful approach because look, to be honest with you, I don't want to see a deer with its tongue hanging out and a bunch of blood coming out of its mouth or nose. Like, yeah. okay, I, that's reality, right? That's what it looks like. Yeah. But we are trying to, number one, recruit other hunters. Uh, and number two, it, well, this is the this is the fine line. It's like, I don't ever want to pander to the non-hunters like because they're, they're wrong. They're 100% yeah. wrong. The anti-hunters, not non-hunters, right. excuse me. Non-hunters Anti. are cool. Half yeah. of them support us. Half of them are kind of like, well, yeah, whatever. It's not my thing. But but the anti-hunters, if you pander to them, they, they're winning. Mm-hmm. It's such a small fraction of society, but they scream the loudest. And so, yes, we need to be respectful of wiping up the blood. But if you want to have a grip and grin and have a freaking bush light and a camo can on your tailgate <laughs> while you're doing it, I don't care. That's what hunting looks like, right? Yeah. That's what deer camp looks like. Um, this idea that, you know, we have to have the deer positioned a certain way and you have to be looking longingly into its eyes like you're in love with it, like, and that you're almost so sad that you took this animal's life. No. What really happens is, yes, there is a moment, I think every hunter, maybe when you walk up to that animal, it's like, you know, maybe say a prayer of thanks to God or, or, or whatever, whoever your God is or whatever you believe in mother earth whatever it is you're like okay i'm really thankful for this and then you know what and then it's high fives with your buddy like oh so awesome man yeah. you know sure he dropped right here did you see that great shot i made or 
you know, whatever yeah. it is. It's not a, hey, son, or it's like, son, Henry, I'm so proud of you. What a great shot you made. How do you feel? And, and Henry looks at me, he's like, my stomach's kind of upset. And I was like, that's called adrenaline. And he's like, <laughs> oh, he's like, yeah, it doesn't feel like a bad one. He's like, I kind of like it, actually. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's as visceral an experience as you can have. For sure. Um, but it's not, it, we're, we're not bloodthirsty. Right. We're doing it to feed our families. This Now, the 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 people that do stuff like, blow up hogs with tannerite and post videos of that videos of that on like facebook and stuff yeah that makes us all look like bloodthirsty rednecks that yeah. kind of stuff should not be condoned um so sure. yeah i just think like you're, to, to the the that was a long answer to your short question but yeah. yeah we just can't pander to the anti-hunters you know we can't be ashamed of what we're doing and we don't have to make every photo look like you know it was something that should be in a magazine where it's you know it's such a somber experience right. because there are, I mean, like when I shot and there was one, the only time I've ever like actually had tears was when I shot an elk one time and it was like the hardest grind of a hunt. Like I got blisters on the first day in. Yeah. I wasn't like bawling, but I definitely, I was like, man, I could feel like my eyes are watering. I was just like, and it wasn't because I was sad about killing the elk. It was because it was the most physically and mentally, mentally challenging thing that I ever overcame that yeah. week. Um, but, but other than that, generally it's usually smiles and like, Whoever shot a duck? Okay, here comes. We just had opening day last weekend. Here comes a group of widgeon. We shoot like three or four. Everyone tooting and hollering. Like, there's not a somber moment in that experience. It's like, great shot, guys. Let's do it again. Woohoo! You know? Yeah. Watch the dog do her thing. It's 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 awesome. Yeah. And it's exciting, man. It's fun. If at the end of the day, we don't go out there for the somber experience. We do this because it's fun, and it's worthwhile. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh that's kind of how I look at yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we shouldn't be ashamed of, of having fun with it. And no, you got to share fun. respect, but you, yeah, high fives and all. I mean, and to each their own. I mean, there's kind of, there has been a little bit of this sort of like almost crunchy movement in the backcountry hunting kind of world of yeah. like, you know, the, um, but that's cool. I mean, like, I think there's good to be taken from all of it because I think you can be like way over here on the redneck camp and like there's some, good and bad and you can be way over here in the crunchy camp and there's some good and bad but if we can have balance in there and just kind of all respect each other i think it's it can be good you know uh, that's why i like to do all of it i like to right. experience the the crunchy and it's not <laughs> i'm not crunchy but uh yeah. i fit fit in there just as well as i do in some alabama redneck camp it's uh yeah i like it all and everything in between I yeah mean, you tell me when the season is and i'll say okay what weapon do i have to bring and yeah um and I don't claim to be good at any of them. Like I'm just uh, <laughs> like there's some people like Dan. Like Dan's an incredible bow hunter. He's yeah. a great archer. I don't have time to do that. Like there's so much other stuff to do. Um, like we have pigs nonstop. I'm shooting pigs on that place that I have leased all year round. Yeah. I mean they never go away. Um, but you know Dan's probably shooting his bow every day. I'm not. I I pick up my bow like August first and I shoot for a month. And, right. I mean he's laser and I have focused elk, on you know? archery. There's like like yeah i'm not though i'm just like yeah i'll shoot up you know tell me when muzzleloader season is i'll show up with that you know so yeah and like i'm kind of more like that too like like i said like here you know i'm in a a dog club and for because it's the only place i can deer hunt around here and then like you know it's not really necessarily my thing i'll do it i've shot yeah. a couple deer behind dogs um it's a very like virginia kind of thing it's just like it's part oh, yeah. of the hunting culture here some guys like I remember telling Dan and and his buddy Jake when I was out there about dog hunting deer and they're like what like 
that's so weird. They never even heard of it. And um, some people, I feel like, look down on stuff like that. Like, oh, a bunch of just fat, lazy rednecks and stuff. And like, yeah, maybe some of them are fat, lazy rednecks. But, yeah. you know, it's that's, it's a different that's experience. Your, that's your culture, though. That's your yeah. tradition. And there's right. nothing wrong with that. Like, I would certainly hunt deer with dogs one time. I'll do anything as long as it's legal and what I deem as ethical. And I don't think hunting anything with dogs is unethical. Humans yeah. have been doing that for the since... We've been able to domesticate dogs. Like 100%. that's what we don't. Tons of these breeds are bred for that. Most, you know what? Most of these breeds are bred for originally protection or helping us yeah. procure protein. Yeah, that's what for they're sure. for. Right. Um, so we yeah, can't bait here that. though. There's no that's, baiting in Virginia. No, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we bait the hell out of everything in Texas. Yeah, I know. It's like that's like the number one sin here is baiting. Like you cannot bait anything. What's funny to me is to hear the Midwest guys. So you got the you've got the Western guys, you've got the Midwest guys, and you've got the Southern guys. Yeah. The the Midwest guys that frown on Texans or, or Alabamans or whoever Mississippi for for baiting blows mm-hmm. my mind because I've been there and done that. Like I've gone to Illinois, Pike County, muzzleloader season. I'm sitting in a box blind, like mm-hmm. something you'd see in Texas, overlooking. I would say five acres of soybeans that have been manipulated right like oh more hunters are coming into camp now we have to cut down another couple rows of soybeans right it's the same thing purchase the soybeans from the farmer like hey please don't don't harvest these so this 10 right. acre plot we're gonna buy those bushels from you and then they go in there and they manipulate it there isn't a corner of the soybean field that i can't reach out and touch with that muzzle loader like every anything that comes in there is dead yeah right if i want to shoot it that's no different than sitting in a blind in Texas hunting a corn feeder. It's the right. same thing. Yeah. It's just a bigger corn feeder. So don't tell me that you know you're you're not okay with hunting over bait, but that you manipulate crops and then hunt right. over that. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, man. it is. And again, I'm fine with all of it. Do you do you? You do it ethically and and legally and enjoy yourself. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, have you uh, you got any other hunts this year coming up, or any other good hunts you've had this year? Um. Well, I've had to cancel two hunts because of like vaccination requirements. Like, oh no way! Uh, yeah, uh, so I was supposed to go to um, British Columbia on, in Vancouver Island and do mm. a black bear hunt with Vortex. For, like, uh, that was supposed to happen what uh, spring of 2020, and then COVID came, and they were like, "No, the borders closed." And then this year, they're like, "Well, the borders open, but you have to be vaccinated," and then. I just had to, well, then I had to miss out on a Saskatchewan greenhead hunt with Mossberg for the same reason. Wow. And now I've just canceled an Argentinian uh, dove and duck trip because they're like, well, you can come if you're not vaccinated, but you have to quarantine for seven days. I'm like, I'm not quarantining for seven days for a four-day hunt. Like, yeah. forget it. And Jeez. then they're like, well, it's, and, I, and I was like, and none of the guys in my group want to do that either. And some of the guys in the group are vaccinated, so it wasn't a big deal for them, but. They were like, your country requires the same thing. And I was like, no. And then I went and looked, and I'll be danged if we don't. Like, really? <laughs> it's like the same deal. I don't even think we're letting in unvaccinated people at all right now. Wow. Without dude. really special like permits. Like, so that's like, still in effect. You can't go to Canada without getting mm, vaxxed. No. So, and as someone, and, and I'm not anti vaccine, I was just talking to my mom yesterday. I was like, you should probably get the booster. You're 66. You had COVID really bad, you know, um, yeah. last Thanksgiving. Uh, it almost killed her. She's in the hospital for 30 days. And my dad's diabetic. And I was like, y'all should get it. Like, I'm not anti-vaccine at all. I'm just like, I had it. It didn't kill me. 
I've gone and didn't kill me. I mean, I felt like I had a headache for two days. Other yeah. people have had it way worse. You know what right. I'm saying? You you have to make your own choice for you and your family. Like, yeah, that's where that's where it is. It's just you're not going to tell me I have to do it. Right. When when I have natural immunity, too. So, I mean, yeah, I've been I've... to Africa twice since then and put myself out there and I play soccer and basketball. And, um, you know, we I don't know what 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 it's like where you are, but, you know, we haven't had mask mandates or anything like that. Uh, a year i mean yeah dude i i was like i was that guy walking into walmart in the height of this thing with no mask like every like i went to the smithsonian museum of natural history mm. oh i'd like to go there oh it's sick it's basically yeah. a taxidermy museum yeah like it's awesome. sick you would love it but anyway i went in there with my family like i don't know three months ago i was the only person thousands not wearing a mask and like the the people asked me like three times put a mask on i put it on and i'd walk away and just take it off i don't know mm -hmm. why i just can't do it i don't agree with it if i'm in like there's certain See, I'll situations do it out of respect if it's right, like required like i, I yeah. will do it but it's it's ridiculous to think that some like everyone here wears these old navy ones that all the wives bought like it's a piece of cloth <laughs> It the old nothing. Navy's making millions of dollars off of, and you're telling me I'm sitting on this airplane, squished in here like a sardine, and this other guy has he he doesn't even have a mask on. He just has like a little hunting do rag pulled up over his yeah. face. Like, <laughs> you think that that is protecting us? It's like, yeah, no. Maybe if everyone had an N95 that they wore nonstop, maybe that would make a difference. But that's not maybe, reality. Yeah. So stop yeah. telling me that these things work. And I'm the same way. Like, um. I'm not necessarily like a hardline like anti-vaxxer or anything, but like mm -hmm. for me, like I'm not getting the COVID vaccine, um, mainly because it's just they rushed it out. It hasn't been tested long term, right. and honestly, part of it is just like I it pisses me off that they're trying to make me do it, and I just don't want to. Right. So screw yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Totally. Well, I mean, the thing about like I don't want to make this the COVID show, but it's worth saying like now they're going to try to vaccinate five to 11 year olds now and five, 500 out of like 20 million kids that have gotten COVID from the age of zero to 17, 500 kids have died. My kids yeah. got COVID in August and they were so sick that we never knew they had COVID. And <laughs> like, literally like my son one day said, dad, I have a headache. I can't go to soccer practice. I don't feel good. I said, okay, I'll take your temperature. No fever. I said, all right, well, if you, if your head really hurts, you don't have to go to soccer. I'll take your temperature again tomorrow morning. Yeah. And again, tomorrow morning, the next morning, no fever. So hmm. I sent him to school. Well, my wife got the whole family signed up in this Texas health antibodies study mm -hmm. just for like COVID research. And because she's in the medical medical field, she's like, right. you know, we should be a part of active participants in this research. Okay. So I'm thinking I'll have antibodies from having COVID and she will, but the kids won't because they got tested twice when we had COVID and they were all negative. No, their antibodies were sky high. And that's where we're like, huh, they've had COVID since they went back to school. And they exposed us, but neither one of us got COVID again because of natural immunity. Hmm. So, yeah, um, you know, it's just like, why I, would I vaccinate my kids who, the, and my twin, the girls never showed any symptoms whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so Are they trying to force like, your wife into it? No, her? she is vaccinated. Okay. She, she got it not forced. She got it kind of early, like in last February when, I don't think there was a lot of information on it. Yeah. Just being in the medical field. Sure. They made it available to medical personnel and she was just like, I'm going to get it. And yeah. so she yeah. has had joint pain. 
though. I'm just like, oh. she's like, I'm just older. And I'm like, yeah, what's changed? Well, you got that shot. And that's the only thing that's changed. So we go back and forth on that. But she knows not to ask me about whether I'm getting vaccinated anymore or not. Yeah. Well, kind of a good segue because, yeah, I don't want to go down the whole COVID rabbit trail. Um, but I was going to ask you about hunting in Canada because that's something uh-huh. that I'd like to do. It seems like there's a lot of good opportunity in Canada. Oh, man, it's great. Yeah. But. Well, now you got to get vaccinated, but let's just table that. So besides having to get vaccinated, like what are, are there challenges with like firearms or getting tags or is it just pretty easy? What's that like hunting in Canada? Um, No, firearm transportation into Canada really wasn't a big deal. Um, I've been to Alberta for a black bear hunt and um, I did a trap line, a week long uh, trap line trip in uh, british columbia yeah and then i did a moose hunt in newfoundland and uh no no issues with firearms actually i didn't take a firearm on the trap line but the other two i certainly took a rifle yeah and um yeah no no problem whatsoever um i'm sure the outfitters and guides like know how to navigate all that oh yeah yeah and i mean canada just has is, is it's just in those areas so sparsely populated with so much game yeah um it's not, it's not you know cheap by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not Alaska or Yukon expensive. Um, which oh, Yukon it's cheaper than Alaska. Uh, yeah, so well, it's probably comparable. Like if you want to do yeah. a black bear hunt in Alaska, it's probably four or five grand. It's probably the same in Alberta or Manitoba or Saskatchewan. You know. Now, Ontario. do you can you do any DIY hunting in Canada, or does it all have to be guided? Uh, I do not think that Americans can do. DIY without okay. like if you had a resident like I have had people off Instagram be like hey come up here and shoot a moose with me um oh like, just like if you have a resident friend allowed to do that and they're like yeah as long as you know I'm as long as you're with me and it's my property or whatever okay um, that's cool but I don't I don't think there's a lot of DIY non-resident opportunity yeah. gotcha. now you can go to Alaska and I want to do this um I want to do a DIY caribou hunt mm. and you can do stuff like that for about you have to be the the expensive part is getting um you know a f- the flight the freighter right. flying you in and out uh, so i did that most. two years ago oh you did we didn't even take an air transporter we walked in uh-huh how'd and, that go uh as far as a trip it was amazing we were just behind the herd in the first spot like literally you couldn't take two steps without walk like stepping in a pile of caribou droppings like they uh-huh. were there and it was, a, it was a controlled use area which means no motor vehicles or atvs of any kind mm-hmm. um which which cuts down on the local competition of guys that have side by sides and whatnot we were there for about three days um the herd was gone so we left and went to another area well-known area near fairbanks which was open to atvs but we we had a couple successful stalks Long story short, we could have killed. It. We just the the animals that we got into range of, we weren't a hundred percent sure that they weren't cows uh-huh. or small bulls, so yeah. we decided not to pull the trigger. But as a whole, it was a successful trip. And yeah. in retrospect, we probably should have shot one of them. I'm pretty sure it was a bull. But anyway, um, and then I did Kodiak this year. So we got flown into a lake up in the Alpine and deer hunted, and that was amazing. So for blacktails, yeah, and did y'all find success there? Yeah, yeah, we filled three tags there. My buddy killed one that was like 
hundred over a hundred inches, probably a hundred and five, fifteen. Like people were stopping yeah. them in the airport, taking pictures with them, like local people. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like oh, that's awesome. when we were cleaning it at the fish station in Kodiak, like one local dude came by and looked at it and like started making a phone call and then like twenty dudes filtered through just to look at this thing. It was so big. Wow. But um I killed a nice one, but it looked like a baby compared to his. Yeah, I'll show you mine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to do um like coos deer and blacktail and i mean see like people don't understand like that's a trophy for a yeah blacktail. this is a really Especially nice blacktail a, a diy you know if you're like well that looks like a you know a dink of a whitetail okay but that's different species for sure so, yeah you know it's like um have you never done the coos thing yet i never have i've been looking at like arizona and yeah but like like an even like an outfitted hunt you still usually have to put in two years or three years and well, not oh, for archery. Yeah, uh, not, uh, not for <laughs> archery, but you know, uh, there's a reason. Like Steve Renella told me one time, there's a reason why we don't do much bow hunting. It's because not enough stuff gets killed. And you yeah, have to kill dude, stuff it's for TV. It's tough. Um, yeah. I actually might be able. I might be going down in Air, uh, to Arizona this January to hunt with some guys. But it'd be nice. archery. Yeah, so. the late season archery. Or yeah. is that when they're rutting? Yeah, I think I think they January. They run really late. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like a combo. It's any deer, so it's coos or mule deer, and there's javelina too, and it's OTC tag. Nice. So, hopefully that yeah. works out. Yeah, I I definitely want to do Arizona. I've never I've never hunted Arizona. Only me either. Only been there once, and that was for a bachelor party. We went to uh, my brother's bachelor party. We went to the waste management golf tournament. Yeah. The one where like the players wear jerseys, like their favorite <laughs> sports team jersey. On this, it's a big party, dude. It was okay. It was bachelor party deal. Yeah. Um, I but yeah, I, I stopped putting in for the Arizona elk tags just because every time it's like, oh, you have to buy the license. Okay, well, it's $350 yeah. every time to get a point there. And I'm just like, you know what? Forget that. I'll just keep applying in uh, New Mexico and Billy yeah. Pants and Wyoming and Montana and Utah and yeah. wherever they're that, not going to gouge me. I, like By the end of 20 years, you've spent so much money that you could have just gone on a guided hunt. Right. That's so. kind of what I was doing with the like Wyoming bighorn sheep like points. I just decided... I'm just going to keep the 150 bucks every year. And like in 30 years, I'll just get a doll sheep, like guided hunter. Although I I've heard rumors that they're talking about maybe closing doll sheep to non-residents or at least going to a draw system sometime in the near future, which I hope they don't. Yeah. Alaska. I, I hope that they don't either, but you know, they, they have so much opportunity. It would be a shame if they started really limiting it because that nothing I've ever heard says that the doll sheep numbers are, are in decline or, I mean, that, that yeah. range is, it's untouched. Like it's so big. They're like animals that will live and die their whole lives and never see a human. Mm -hmm. Many, yeah. many animals. Yeah. But, um, I do want to ask you, you've, you've done quite a bit of hunting around the world. Um, mm -hmm. what do you think is like the best bang for the buck adventure hunt that a guy could do? Oh, I mean, that's pretty easy. And I, I haven't been to like the really remote areas of South of Africa. Like I want to go to Tanzania and hunt leopard and I want to go to Botswana and shoot an elephant. You know, I'd love to do those things, but it's just so expensive. Right. Mm. So not bang for your buck, uh, bang for your buck is South Africa. Okay. Like we have, we have kudu, we have sable, we have gims buck in Texas. You want to shoot a kudu in Texas? Okay. $15,000. Wow. You shoot really? a sable? Okay. Give me your 12 grand, you know, and, and people do it. I would never do that. But you can do it in South Africa and shoot uh, a kudu bull in South Africa is like two thousand dollars. 
Hmm. So people think if you're going to go on a safari, you better have twenty, thirty thousand dollars. No, there's a retired fireman went with me in January, my good friend Dave Lane, and you know it was his retirement present to himself, and he was like, my budget is ten thousand dollars flight and gratuity included, and dude, he stayed like, he stayed under that, and he shot hmm. six animals like a wow, uh, a lot like wildebeest and zebra and impala, warthog. I'm not sure what his list was exactly. I don't know that he got the kudu, but yeah, he shot a bunch of animals and it's just, it's very affordable to go over there. The value of the American dollar. Yeah. I mean, they, they want American dollars, you know? Right. Um, so bang for your buck, South Africa, you can go over there and, and shoot a bunch of things, uh, for not a lot of money. Yeah. Dude, I just did a podcast with uh Baker from, um, black rifle. And oh yeah. He was telling me about that too. And I was telling him, well, like, first of all, I guess there's so many like hunts still on North America that I haven't done yet that I like want to do. But also the fact that, I don't know, meat is such a big deal for me and like that you can't bring your meat home is tough for me. But he Mm -hmm. was telling me like Africa is just amazing. Can you bring your, you can bring your skulls home, right? Or how's that? Oh yeah. Um, Wow. I have all that, all the after stuff is in my trophy room, but I was going to see. Oh, no, I've got one. I got one right here. And we were also talking about, I mean, I've been to, oh, nice, dude. Look at that thing. Was that a warthog? Is that a yeah, warthog? Yeah, so this is, the, this is the only one I have in my, my, uh, studio Dang, but yeah that's gnarly yeah. So if you're just listening it's warthog. a giant warthog with huge tusks yeah is that that's like a trophy one right i'm assuming right oh yeah dude and it was crazy so there's a bullet hole in the top of his head there no way you can see right there he survived that no no he didn't survive oh, okay <laughs> uh, that's no, from you I, so yeah we shot the pig he was bedded down we found him through a spotting scope and that's another cool thing about africa it's not a and I had this wrong, like, premonition of what I thought Africa was going to be like. Drive around on flat ground till you see something you want to shoot, and then just get out of the truck and shoot it. And I was like, that doesn't really appeal to me. But okay, yeah. everyone swears by Africa; it's this great life-changing experience from from a hunting perspective. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to go, dude. Nothing. We, we I shot. I've shot one animal out of like the thirty I've killed over there out of the out of the truck. When they're like, "That's the biggest mountain springbuck we've ever seen," and this yeah. is like a free range place. And I was like, "What's a mountain springbuck?" And they're like, "That's it right there." I was like, "How much is it?" And they were like, 400 bucks." I was like, "Boom!" You know, like that's the only time. Everything else has been spot and stock, and I mean, you earn it a lot of the time. But you yeah. might be hunting kudu and see, like I think we were hunting kudu, and we saw this um, warthog bedded down. And it was like, okay, now we got to get over there. So we stalked over there and then we literally laid down prone for like an hour before the thing woke up. Yeah. And when he stood, I shot him and I hit him just like a little bit high. And so he ran, there's an epic YouTube on the John X Safari's channel of this whole, the, my friend Carl, my PH was like, well, you wanted a rodeo. Now you got one cowboy. We're in for a, <laughs> we're in for a day. And, uh, the pig's bleeding. They put the tracking dog on it, which is a little Jack Russell terrier. Well, wow. uh, that's what they use over there because they're smaller targets. Like if you used a lab or, or some kind of hound, these animals kick them or gore them. And so they use the tiny dogs cause they're just huh. smaller targets. So they put the Jack Russell on this pig's 
trail and like we don't know where the dog went like we can't we can't hear him we can't see him then we we finally hear this faint barking and the dog has gone into the riverbank with this pig whereas basically he, he this was the the daddy pig of the area like the big yeah. boar boss boar and he has like the taj mahal tunnel system dug into this <laughs> riverbank and so we find the dog in there and the dog's not coming out he's bathed the pig up in this he's hole. in the hole with the pig yeah wow like into the That's side a brave of the dog bank. yeah well they, they don't you don't these jack russells don't know that they only weigh 15 pounds right <laughs> um they have the heart of a lion but we're like well how do, now we're not going to crawl in there after like with a gun and like a head no so yeah. we start digging from the top of the riverbank where we think the dog is barking and when we dig one hole we're using sticks we don't even have a shovel mm. like this is real african bush stuff like yeah. we're digging this thing out by hand and with sticks and um we we finally get the hole open and we're like oh, we've we've missed calculated where the pig is and the dog but we did get a gopro in there and now we can see the dog and the pig and there's bats <laughs> flying around and it's crazy Oof. and uh the dog's barking at the pig and so then we dig another hole on top of it and it ended up like shoot that's where that's where the bullet hole came from okay nice and then dude. we and then we he had dragged to get the it out bigger and pull it out yeah so dang that's awesome it man. was uh it was a uh, a memorable one yeah for sure. i'm assuming you get to eat some of your kill while you're over there too oh, yeah. yeah yeah so the meat you said is an important component for you it is for me too i don't think i would go over there if we didn't eat what we shot in camp or yeah. or you're eating a lot of times you're eating what the safari um in front of you shot right so because they they hang everything to let it age sure and so they might have aged it for a week like okay we're gonna eat wildebeest tenderloin tonight and she'll go and grab the one from last week and then yeah the next safari is eating what you shot but there are times when it's like hey i want to eat this like i shot a cape buffalo i want to eat its tongue and they're like cool and they'll you know they make a nice. wonderful dish out of that i um, had beef tongue for the first time the other or the we had beef tongue for dinner the other night it was amazing nice oh i love it I love, well so tender we have a lot of uh authentic like mexican food here and lingua tacos are oh, are, lingua. are a big okay. thing yeah yeah so we, we get it frequently here but uh i definitely wanted to eat the the tongue, the tongue. of the uh because yeah back yeah. in the day like on the uh like the trappers and stuff in the west of america like when they killed a buffalo liver and tongue was first thing they're eating oh yeah oh yeah they they eat, they love liver over there too like that none of that stuff ever goes to waste yeah um i like to cook heart and liver a certain way and then carl was like okay you need to bring that seasoning back next year and do that liver heart the same way you did it and, <laughs> nice dude. Uh, um but yeah the only other the only animal that i've ever well there's two that i keep the tongues is uh i've the moose i mean just because like white tails yeah you could eat the tongue but it's, it's like it's this a lot big. of work for not very much meat yeah so the moose i've i prepared that and then duck tongues is like real popular in asian culture yeah. and you you take the tongues out and we batter them yeah or we just saute them in like onions and mushrooms and garlic butter and uh and then like use a little like um some kind of polynesian or spicy dipping sauce oh they're good and yeah you, they have like a bone in the middle and you just put them in your mouth and just pull <laughs> the meat off nice and you're left with like the little tongue bone but yeah that's another thing i forgot you are very uh adventuresome about eating all different types of cuts and oh, everything yeah. Yeah, my have you have you eaten, eaten testicles yet? Oh, I was just about to say, like my kids think <laughs> eating Nilgai testicles is like a normal thing. It's like <laughs> I had when I had Henry on my son for that 600 episode, I was like, so what are some of the weird things that that? Well, they're not weird to you, but like what right. are the things that you've eaten that I 
your friends probably never have tried. And he's listing off mountain lion and duck tongues. And I was like, what about those no guy testicles? And I said, you know what testicles are, right? The little things underneath your peener. He's like, oh yeah, those are so good. He's like, I remember those now. They were sliced and fried. And yeah, no, they were, they were delicious. That was good. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. that's awesome, dude. And back to the Africa thing. I mean, I've been to Uganda. Uh huh. I think like, like a mission trip or what? Yeah, a missions trip. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, I'd say nowhere probably that I've been is the conservation model of hunting as conservation more apparent than in Africa because, um, like, I was there for, like, maybe a week or ten days. Mm-hmm. I don't think I saw one living wild animal, like, and we, like, oh, drove, yeah. like, through the countryside for hours. And, like, you know, like, if you're, like, in America, if you're, if you're driving for, like, six, eight hours, you're going to see at least a couple deer or something. Like, right nothing alive like everything had been killed and eaten like generations ago yeah well so uganda doesn't allow hunting you know or they don't have a uh any kind of economy based off of hunting like they don't have a a sustainable model over there like yeah like the you know the method is proven we proved it here in north america that things that have a value stick around yeah um south africa has taken it and like extrapolated out times 10 million like they they have I don't remember what percent of like, if you looked at what the animals they had in the sixties versus what they have now, it's like 10,000% more. Wow. Um, and a lot of it's on like, um, I've shot maybe 30 animals over there. I don't know. Don't know exactly how many, but, um, half of them have probably been on a 30,000 acre preserve. Right. The fence is not there to keep the animals in. It's to keep the poachers out. Yeah. It's not and a 30,000 acres. It's yeah. not like, they don't know there's a fence. There. No, it's not but, like you're just shooting fish in a barrel. No, but, uh, but like this warthog we shot in the mountains, like people don't realize like mountain hunting, like the kudu stuff. It's, it's like, uh, elk hunting here, like in the mountains, you're glassing. It's tons of glassing and spotting and stalking. And you're always moving. Um, you're always looking at animals, like even ones you don't want to shoot. Like you might pick over 20 different rams or bulls before you find a mature one. And they're not letting you shoot dinks. They're like, we're only taking ones that we would be proud to shoot ourselves. Yeah. They stick by that. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably an outfitter to outfitter thing, but uh yeah, it's um Uganda, I imagine let's see what are some of the other countries. Kenya is down. Kenya in the 70s had the most robust wildlife populations in Africa. Now they're down th- they're down to 30% of what they had. Mm. So they don't they outlawed hunting in the 70s. Okay? Well. Here you go. Here's your here's wow. your failure, you know. That's crazy. These animals don't have a value anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I'd like to I like to go over there sometime, maybe one day. Well, get your show uh, you know, real popular and then I mean, I don't <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't pay to go over there. Yeah. I trade it out for advertising. Nice. I take a group with me and, you know, I I'm fortunate that way. That's why I've gone five times, right? I mean, like for me that like my buddy the fireman, like $10,000 is a lot of money. Like for me that's like maybe i could say hey honey i think i want to you know go to africa and do this and she'd be like well how much is it and you know i could as soon as i can write it off it's it, she's probably a lot more lenient than yeah other sure. spouses would be for but sure. um it wouldn't be a yeah go five years in a row sure type of deal <laughs> yeah. you know i pay for the plane ticket and i and i leave gratuity and that's something you could you should probably do a whole show on at some point is i don't think people realize when they go on these outfitted hunts like these people work their butt off 
Yeah. And um, especially the guides that don't have any um, ownership or interest in the company. Right. Like they're just working off tips and whatever the guide pay the, the outfitter pays them per day. For sure. So, um, yeah, gratuity at the end of those trips is pretty expensive, but you know, they, they work their tail off for you. You need to tip the kitchen and the house cleaning and all those people need to be taken care of for so, sure. So, well, cool. Best bang for your buck, Africa. Yeah. Most people, I'm sure most people think, Oh, it's some like Africa. They probably think it's like the most expensive thing you can do or something just because of perception. Well, it, yeah. It can be like, yeah. you know, like you want to go shoot a leopard in, uh, Zambia. Oh, that can be pretty expensive. Yeah. What's your favorite uh, Africa gun? Um, man, I've shot so so many things with the seven mag over there. Even things as big yeah. as an Eland. Like, I like that a lot. The, my two favorite all round calibers are three hundred win mag and seven mag. Yeah, and I, I think you just shoot what you're comfortable with. Like, people were like, "Uh, why are you white tail hunting with a three hundred win mag?" And I'm like, "Because I don't think you can be overgunned. How about that? Like, yeah, dead is dead. I like it, <laughs> especially you know if I'm shooting a doe." that's my goal i'll probably take like a 243 something's two i love a 270 yeah um but like if i'm after a trophy buck i'm shooting with a seven mag or a 300 win mag you don't want, I don't want him to drop right there i'm going to shoot him in the shoulder that's yeah. what i'm going to do um i think you just shoot what you have confidence in but yeah. i love 300 win mag and seven mag sweet uh, absolutely well cool man well this has been really fun catching up with you man um What's your favorite caliber? Oh my goodness. I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, you're going to laugh at me. Well, I don't have a favorite really, but I just, I had a 30 out six and then I wanted to get a super light backcountry. You went with your part of Creed nation now. I did. I got a, well, I got a Weatherby, (laughs) I got a Weatherby backcountry and the only non-proprietary chambering they offered in that gun was the creedmoor yep. and my buddy who's ex navy special warfare huge gun nerd you know he he recommended it for a various number of reasons mm-hmm. um and so i wanted a light rifle with good ammo availability fun to shoot accurate so i went with that but now i'm looking at trying to put together like a you know 30 caliber build for elk um because yeah, i, I so- definitely don't want to take it elk hunting I make fun of the six, five Creed nation just because it's so, they're so <laughs> passionate about it, but yeah. I have one. I shoot, yeah. it's my pig and coyote gun. Yeah. And, and you know, it's shooting at distance and stuff like that. It's a, it's really a great caliber. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, but I've it's taken, funny because it's like, it's got like a cult following. That, yeah. They're does. so diehard. Don't you ever talk bad about six, five Creed. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, actually I'm part of six, five Creed. I'm just like, yeah, not like wearing my heart on my sleeve with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, I'm not like one of these dudes that's like super into it either. Um, yeah. but it, it has been a really good gun for me for, um, taking a couple white tails with it. I took my black tail and then I took a really nice antelope buck this year in Wyoming with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most accurate gun. I'm not a super long range. Like I grew up bow hunting. So the whole like rifle thing is like fairly new to me in the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. The county I grew up in, you couldn't rifle hunt. It was illegal. Yeah. Um, but now that I've got into it, like, you know, this is the most accurate gun I've had and. It's been good to me so far. So, uh, but I do want to, like I said, I do want to put together a 30 caliber build for elk because I, I don't think it's enough gun for me for elk. I don't think. Yeah. Not enough. I wouldn't for shoot an elk with it. But yeah. anything under that, I think, you know, it's probably a great caliber for yeah. that. Dude, my buddy took a 243 on our caribou hunt. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, he's, like I said, he's a um, huge gun nerd, ex Navy Special Warfare. He knows what he's doing. 
Um, and you know, we're shooting those, you know, copper mono bullets that really yeah. hold their weight. And, um, so I don't know. Nice. Yeah. I just got Henry a 243. Uh, he shot a 22, 250. He shot his deer last year. With yeah. A yeah. 250. So I bumped him up to a 243 and got, finally got a suppressor. Um, oh, I've been wanting to get into that, but yeah, it's game. It's cash. just like from a recoil standpoint, like it's game changing. I should have done it a long time. Really? Ago. Yeah, like because I probably wouldn't have let him shoot the two forty three without. Uh, he's very. He only weighs sixty pounds. He's lanky yeah. little eight year old, and he was doing fine with the twenty two fifty. But Mossberg started threading all of their Patriots. That's who I the guns that I shoot. Yeah, and so I got a two forty three, the six five Creedmoor is threaded, and then my seven mag. Those are the only threaded ones that I have. Mm-hmm. So I let him. I let him run the gamut. I was like, okay, he loves shooting the two forty three, and I let him shoot the six five with the suppressor He's yeah like, eh, that one kicks a little but it's cool because the thermal scopes on there so he liked that he's like oh, oh nice. i like because the thermal <laughs> and then i let and then i let him shoot the seven mag and Ooh. he hit the he hit, he hit the steel but he looked at me he's like nope nope i'm good on that one no no <laughs> yeah that's good dad thank you for that but no thanks yeah it's a lot of gun <laughs> yeah yeah but are you have you gotten cool. into the reloading game yet or no dude really? no 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 time is money and i don't yeah as much as i like to cook i don't process my own stuff like okay everyone processes their own ducks and yeah. turkeys and everything but like big game stuff no i want i have a relationship with a processor they're doing all the sausage and everything else and then the cuts that i want to work with like heart and backstrap 10 one I, I do that right but like grinding and everything no time's money Dude, i don't have time to reload either and I, I love the fact that people do it and are passionate yeah. and, and good at it but no i don't have time it's like shoot too many animals to to do yeah. that yeah yeah, my so my buddy, the one that I keep referencing that I went to Alaska with and stuff, he, we worked together on developing a load for my Creedmoor, and um, it's a great load. It's 124 grain hammer copper mono bullet, and um, but yeah, like he keeps trying to get me into it. I'm like, man, I just, I'm with you, man. Like I just, there's only so many things you can give full attention to, and that's a whole thing. And I just like, nah, I just can't. Dude, there's- that's not enough time in the day and no. and before with BLM, kids and stuff and like if you're a single dude COVID, like these yeah. ammo companies would send me whatever i wanted now it's like i i don't even really I'm, i'll be honest like i feel bad asking yeah now because they they're selling everything so quickly like what's what's in it for them they don't need to advertise right so you know it's like you think the ammo prices I'm, will ever come back down you think they're up no to no stay? no they, they won't they yeah. won't come back down Dang it. they'll yeah. only go up yeah. And we'll continue to pay it. Everything's going up, but yeah. you know that's true. They're not, yeah, the ammo companies once they've figured out that we'll pay it, they're like, you know, they're not coming down. Yeah, those Hornady, Matt, uh, whatever Precision Hunter bullets mm-hmm. I've been shooting, they're like fifty bucks a box. Yeah, and they're good bullets. They are. Yeah. But anyway, man, yeah, it's been great. It's been great catching up with you, dude. I enjoyed our conversation. Anything else you want to say, or where can people find you if they don't already know about Lone Star Outdoor Show? Yeah, Hunter, thanks for the opportunity, man. Um, certainly enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, they can go to LoneStarOutdoorShow.com. All the 600-some uh, podcasts are saved there. And then uh, you can follow my Shadow Band Instagram account at, <laughs> uh, at LoneStarOutdoorShow. Which same, is something same. I wanted to bring up, but we didn't quite get to. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, there's always next time. They're crooks. Yeah, they but. are. Yeah. But thanks for the opportunity, man. Certainly uh, yeah. enjoyed visiting with you. You too, man. Um, it's been fun over the years following you, and so it's fun to finally, like I said, I feel like I know you just from social media and your show and stuff, so it's fun to finally uh, get to talk to you one-on-one, man. No, my pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, Likewise. Man.
good luck well, with your podcast yeah 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 man um hopefully we can uh link up and meet sometime yeah absolutely all right dude thanks again thank you good luck Talk this to season. you soon all right you too buddy